0: This is the Fixer Sciatica Podcast. Let's talk about the foods that we put in our bodies. It has a huge impact in how we feel and how we perform as human beings, but also has a huge role in regards to our pain management. I think oftentimes we're so focused on movement, stretching, exercise that we often overlook the nutrients that we put in our body and how that actually impacts our nerves and our joints. And today I have two very special people. Uh, we have Ariel and Haley. They're nutrition therapy practitioners, which is uh, a very cool designation. And they were kind enough to take the time out of their day uh, to share some really insightful information about the foods we put in our body and the effects uh, from what we eat. So, Ariel, Haley, thank you so much for being on today's episode.
1: Yeah, we're excited to be here. Yeah.
0: I remember seeing, well, Haley and I, we've known each other for a couple of years and then following each other on Instagram and seeing that you got this new uh, nutrition um, therapy practitioner certification. And you also started a podcast and started looking at your content. I was really excited because you were providing some really cool, insightful content. But also, I think one of the challenges with Instagram uh, and also like those very, very short form uh, mediums people have to say some pretty crazy stuff to get people's attention because it's only 30 seconds to less than a minute. And what I really resonated with you two is the fact that the content that you were putting out was real stuff and it wasn't crazy. It was a lot of things that I was aligned with. And I said, this is a perfect opportunity to reach out and say, let's have you on. So uh, Ariel and Haley, um, you, know, who, you can choose who goes first, but tell us a little bit more about yourselves and where you're at today.
1: Haley, I'll let you go first. Sure, sounds good. So yeah, Ashley, you and I actually go way back thanks to the Olympic weightlifting and jujitsu community of Marin County. So um, both you and I have been pretty deep in the health and wellness space and in that community for a while. But a little bit of background on me, Division one athlete, injured all the time, uh, overtrained, under eight, fitness was my life and my identity. And it kind of just turned into this very slow what seemed like a slow motion car crash until I basically got to this place in my life where I was like, I have all of these very odd chronic conditions that a quote unquote, elite level, high performing athlete should not have. What is going on? Um, And I realized that kind of going that Western medicine route and not taking any accountability for my own decisions was not fixing any of those problems. They were just more were popping up. So it kind of got me turned away from just solely focusing on performance and looking at just longevity, overall health, a lot more from a rehabilitative lens. Um, and that led me to pursue my nutritional therapy practitioner license, um, as far as the food route goes, um, a lot different than a lot of my fitness licenses. Um, so going down that path, I really learned how food, our environment, how we prepare it, how it all works together. Um, There's a big balance of scales there that are necessary to keep your body running smoothly. Um, And I basically became my own best test rabbit. So um, through all that, I, I became really motivated. I love fitness coaching. I love sharing with people how to reach goals to now evolve that into helping with nutrition and lifestyle as well. Um, so now I'm in Texas and I'm doing that and I met Arielle who does something very similar. So go ahead and give your brief background.
2: It makes me so happy that you started this off by saying that you started in Marin and now you're in Texas because I too did something very similar and it's just funny how like We never crossed paths until recently, and Mm -hmm. we've been in the same circles for so long. So it's just very funny for me and Haley because we're, like, very fast friends. Um, But similar to Haley and also maybe not as similar to Haley, I uh, went down a huge path of my own healing journey. Um, I did not start out as an athlete. I will say that I never considered myself an athlete until I started – to lift weights in college. But then I took that to a very big extreme and really focused on like, you know, how can I be the leanest I can be without eating like the amount of food that I need to in order to get there. Um, And so I went down a similar rabbit hole of under fueling, under recovering, over training until it got to a point where I had such bad digestive issues that I couldn't eat I was down to like four foods that I could eat. Um, and it wasn't until I saw several different doctors who, you know, just said you have IBS, that's it. Like, you're just going to have to deal with it. A couple of doctors actually told me that it was in my head. And then I decided that that was not going to be, you know, my fate. I was not going to be, you know, had to just eat four foods and that was it for the rest of my life. I really wanted to be as healthy as I could be. And that's what kind of led me down the rabbit hole of nutrition coaching. I had been a personal trainer. I had started CrossFit in 2013. Soon after that, got my CrossFit certification and then several others like weightlifting um, and several others since then. But that was kind of the catalyst for me was starting to learn through fitness that I could be my best, my biggest advocate. And so that was what started me on the, you know, nutrition coaching path. And it wasn't until 2020 um, that I decided I wanted a more holistic lens, which is why I pursued um, the nutrition therapy association and the NTP program. Um, and Haley and I actually met in a birth fit coaching certification. Um, so I had just had my, baby my son in uh december of 2022 and i had been supporting in the birth fit coaches course because i found Lindsay through a separate podcast that i had been hosting that no longer is running um but super fortunate to have connected with her and i went down a huge rabbit hole of birth and all things you know birth nutrition postpartum and during pregnancy and that has been a really big passion of mine since um and just very, you know, happy to have connected with Haley through that. And now here we are. We have our own podcast called The Gym Rat's Guide to Guacamole. Um, very weird title. A friend uh, friend and client of mine was like, weird title, great content. <laughs> That's like <laughs> a review that she left. And I was like, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Hopefully everyone remembers it because it's weird.
0: I love it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a fantastic name. Awesome content. Um So yeah, I I didn't even know about the birth bed and like your work around um, pregnancy and postpartum. I mean, that'll be another podcast that we could talk about um, on on this as well, which would be very, very cool. Um, You two brought up some really interesting things as you were going through your evolution. Um, I myself as a retired college athlete, um, it makes me look into uh, breaking things down. I mean, ultimately... We have this shift like when we're young, well, we'll say under 20, right? We're in our teens. We have the opportunity to really push ourselves and we get to discover who we are as an athlete for the most part. And then when you get into your early college years, maybe your early to mid 20s, you're looking at. Uh, we'll say athletic performance, right? We use this term athlete. And then once we say retire from say competitive sports, we then transition and look at into this concept of like longevity and wellness. And I think it's important for people to understand that these are chapters in lives. It's not that you're going to be a, an athlete your entire life. You're not going to be competing at the level you are your entire life because truth be told, and Haley can also probably speak to this too. I know that when I was at my PE competition, I wasn't feeling great. I probably was in like good competition shape and I was probably able to really push myself. But the level of anxiety, the level of dedication, it's a lot of stress. And now, and, and it's funny because my friends ask me, Ashley, do you miss being a college athlete? And I'll say, I really enjoy the times. I really enjoy not having any responsibility. But would I relive like being a competitive athlete again? Probably not. It was pretty tough. Like, I can't, I wouldn't, like, me retiring from swimming was like the perfect time for me to retire. So, I think it is important for us to understand that every phase, whether it be decades, every five years, or even every sort of chapter transitioning from one to the other is very important and that we can borrow and enjoy the moments that we have from those previous chapters. But we have to understand that we can't hold specific intensities or the practices for long term because that's the specific goal so um yeah so i just wanted to share that and i appreciate you sharing that with us um it's very very cool and so another thing that i thought was also very cool is you're talking about like you know we're all in kind of like this circle it's a it's a cer- and the, and the more the deeper you get the r- more you realize you have more connections and i think this also really uh shows to the listeners out there when you're dealing with pain When you're dealing with problems, kind of like what myself, Haley, or Aya has been, you're not alone. You have a community of people. You have a community of people who are like geographically around you, but you also have a community of people who are going through or have been through the same issues. And so the moment that you feel like you're alone, you have no choice. Just know that the world's a magic, a a huge place, and that there are people who are there who've lived what you've been living through and you're not alone in this journey so i also wanted to share that with you and thank you again ariel and Haley, for you know bringing this all together thank thank and thank goodness to instagram and 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 technology we can keep touch with with everything um well let's talk about the nutrition side right um let's do it we, we talk about nutrition therapy and i think that a lot of people don't know what that is it's a relatively new term um or new term it's because or it's a term that has been around but starting to get a little bit more popular so tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit more about nutrition therapy
1: yeah so nutritional therapy um has a couple of different facets and when you get into nutrition coaching there's a lot of different titles that's because you have your designated like rda's registered dietitians Um, That go through a master's in upper education and then you get into the nutrition coaching world and you have all these different Organizations that put on these very robust curriculums, but they're not necessarily accredited with like a state university So nutritional therapy practitioner is the designation for individuals that go through a year-long intensive holistic nutrition program through the nutritional therapy association so Um, They are accredited to have a national board certification that you can test for afterwards. Um, And them and one other um, coaching cert are like pretty well known within the holistic nutrition coaching facility as as being robust. Um, But essentially what it means is you're taking a very bio individual and holistic approach to using your food to figuring out why you're not functioning optimally. Mm -hmm. Um, so this expands past just what it is that is going in and into your mouth, but also where does it come from? How is it prepared? What is it prepared in? Um, how are you managing that stress and breaking it down? So it, it really takes a very large view from culinary practices all the way down to, um, mineral balances and cofactors for absorption um, so it can get very granular and also be very big picture.
2: Mm-hmm. I would say probably one of the biggest things that drew me to the program was the fact that it's not not just looking at what are you putting in your mouth, but it's looking at what are the other inputs that are going into your life aside from just your food. You know, stress. Haley mentioned stress management. That's a huge piece of the puzzle because for a lot of people, the stress that they're under and how they're managing or not managing that stress plays out in their digestion, in their ability to eliminate waste, in, you know, their ability to recover from exercise or other stressors in their lives. So that um, holistic view has been and was probably the best uh, piece of the curriculum that I think was most impactful for me to be able to support my clients.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Sciatica Protocol. Experience pain relief directly through your phone, anytime, anywhere. Interested in learning more? Check us out at iFixYourSciatica dot com slash d dash sciatica dash protocol. Awesome! I think that's really cool. I think, um, I mean, that, and I think that's where the the term therapeutic comes in as well, because it's not just. Hey, you have a pretty busy week, so go ahead and meal prep um you know your your five meals for the week. Um it's being able to like look at the whole person. That's what holistic is and I think uh the unfortunately the term holistic kind of gets bastardized a little bit because you're like doing mm-hmm. oh, the holistic approach and it's like not really the person just ends up having to take like a whole bunch of supplements left and right. Um what I also really like about the nutrition therapy NTP um yeah. Is that uh, it's accredited as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. I think, in one, when you have a level of accreditation, you have a standard. And I think it's important, especially when you are dealing with something so sensitive as nutrition. Exercise itself is not going to be as, well, I mean, it's pretty sensitive, but it won't be as, as sensitive as what you will put in your body because exercise is very self limiting, right? Like you, you can do the exercise, you cannot do the exercise, and you can. Mm-hmm do in multitude of ways, but when you put something in your body, right, it's these chemical processes that you don't necessarily have un, uh, under your control. And so you're really more so at the mercy of, of what's happening chemically. Um, and it and having a, an accreditation allows you to say there's a standard, but also that there's a lot of research that has gone into a, and backing up the, the advice that's being presented to people. So, I mean, both of you are very passionate about being NTPs, So in your opinion, why do you think it's so important to eat right? And why is nutrition therapy such an important thing and that we should incorporate into our lives?
1: All right, I'll pick it. Um, Well, first of all, we have to eat. We can't live without food, right? Every every living organism has some kind of input and our fuel is food and water and sleep. So without it, life would get pretty bleak pretty quickly. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that you can just eat anything and you're going to feel good. Um, I think sometimes we get really down rabbit holes in the nutrition field uh, on, like, the thermogenic side of things. Um, And I, it's kind of mean, but I, like, call them the thermogenics nerds, where they're so into calories in, calories out. There's no good food or bad food. Um, Everything... It you know ends up becoming energy, and it's it's so much more complicated than that because every food has a unique benefit it can provide to you, and it also has a unique challenge. Whether it be it's harder to digest, or for us to utilize the nutrients, it needs to be paired with something else that's a different type of food. Um, so like everything in life, there's a pro and a con. So there's a little bit of an art to it. Um, I also think food is a big part of the way we socialize and build community. So it's not just scientific. We want to enjoy it. We want to spend time with family um, and like make memories over food. So it's extremely important, especially if you feel like you're not thriving. If you feel like You're doing all the right things, but your energy is really not there. Or like you can't get your gastrointestinal issues under control or your sleep is horrible and you just can't put your finger on it. Having that objective person to really look at the big picture and help you figure out where it's coming from and what to adjust and why that will be helpful. um, It's pretty powerful.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, like the biggest draw to nutritional therapy is just that, like what Haley said, like it's, you can't survive without food, water, and sleep. And there's also such a huge social component to it that it can both be therapeutic in the physical nourishing sense, but also in like the spiritual emotional sense. And I think that's the coolest part about working with people is when you're working with them on their nutrition, it's never just about nutrition. It's always about their relationship with their body or their relationship with their parents or you know something that's external to food and i think that is just the coolest piece of it because you help them heal what's internally going on physiologically but also maybe what is like spiritually or emotionally you know plaguing to them and sometimes yes it would be way easier for me to just say hey Here's your meal prep for like, here's the things that you're going to meal prep for the week. Like here's your macros. And for some clients that does work, but for the majority of them, they're not going to make a real lasting change until we work through like how you're managing that stress and like how that plays into the, your ability to, you know, eat the foods that are going to be nourishing for you.
0: Yeah, that makes a little sense. I mean, ultimately, everything that we do is really based on choice. And the thing is that even if you do get a meal plan, it's your choice to actually follow through with that meal plan for the most part. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, especially with communities and our emotional aspect and our memories, right? Flavor, smell, all those senses are tied to a memory. It transitions into our limbic system. And so from there, it actually helps us either develop like food aversions or food cravings. And all of that is gonna be driving like what we're putting our bodies, but also how our body interacts uh, with the world and with the environment. And so let's talk about the use of nutrition also just like all this stuff, right? In relation to joint pain, right? Like, so we're gonna kind of take a step back and look at, okay, well, if we're looking at joint pain itself, um, we're dealing probably dealing with a fair amount of inflammation, maybe a little bit of excessive body weight as well, which could actually be placing a fair amount of stress on the joints. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, when they think nutrition, they're like, okay, well, what are the foods that I need to eat? So let's answer those questions, right? So like for that person who is like, hey, Haley and Ariel, like what are the best foods for for joint pain? Like what, what would you recommend? What are the things that you would tell them?
2: Yeah, I think um, it's tough to say what are the best foods to eat for joint pain, just because I think one of the biggest things is we have to understand where the inflammation may be stemming from. So for some people, it may not actually be like, What foods should I eat? Although there are some that will definitely be helpful and we can talk about those. But a lot of times it's managing the inflammation of some of the foods you're already eating. So like Haley mentioned, are you eating something that maybe is not agreeing with you or it's harder for you to digest or harder for you to break down? Are we pairing things inappropriately where you're not getting the nutrients? So it's just kind of building up toxin in the body. Things like that are really important. And that's where, like Haley said, it's an art form a little bit because working with someone that can help you identify those things can be really, really impactful. Um, But then there are definitely foods that are higher in antioxidants that will help lower inflammation. Um, And Haley, if you wanna talk about some of those, I think that might be helpful too. Yeah,
1: I think overall like inflammation management with joint pain and and otherwise people who are dealing with chronic inflammation for reasons outside of joint pain, a lot of it is one managing an appropriate body mass index um, and two making sure that we're keeping inflammatory triggers low and that we're increasing foods that help our anti-inflammatory systems turn on. So having enough protein in your diet is huge. And I would say outside of the fitness community, majority of Americans do not eat enough protein. Um, And the amino acids in those are so important for building blocks of collagenous, tendinous, ligamentous kinds of tissues. Um, That's where we get most of our collagen from is animal based proteins. So that can be really helpful for
2: joints. I think that's Um, a really important point that we're like emphasizing animal-based proteins are going to be the most beneficial, especially for reducing inflammation for most people because of the collagen, because of um, all of those like really important amino acids and things that, you know, our bodies need in order to heal inflammation. Those are coming from those animal proteins. They're just the most easily absorbed, easily um, digested for humans. Yeah. And I think, too, there's there's a lot of talk about you
1: can't digest more than however many grams of protein in one meal and or per sitting, which there's enough data to show that that's fairly false. Um, As long as you're eating an appropriate amount for your activity level, Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be an issue for you. Also, there are so many metabolic processes in our body that utilize amino acids that let's say maybe you're not using the protein for your muscle recovery anymore because you already sufficed your creatine need for the day, but you still have additional amino acids left over that you haven't utilized for your muscle. It will go to other cells and help with their mitochondria production and function for other processes in your body. So it's not lost. Um, Mm -hmm. Or stored as fat. Yeah, not stored as fat either. Um, it, it really is completely usable. Um, and then keeping your plate really colorful, fruits, dark leafy greens, veggies, um, having those really antioxidant rich foods in your diet are going to help fight free radicals. So if there is an external force causing you inflammation, um, that can really help mitigate some of that as well
0: very cool yeah all things i agree with and so i think it is important and i'm so glad you talked about animal proteins yeah a lot of the people that i do speak with when we go into trying to figure out what they eat they're not really talking much about protein and i'm not really sure what happened because and maybe it's because of we're in the circles that we're in where we're saying okay you know we need to eat We like having enough protein is really important maybe it's because of you know, area, you were a CrossFitter, you know, Haley, uh, collegiate diver for me swimming. And then, so like we had these, we like our sports really demanded that we like eat like this. And from a longevity standpoint, there's a lot of research out there talking about how eating enough protein, it allows us to spare our muscles. Right. And as we get older, the ability to lose muscle actually increases. So we need to be able to build it up as much as possible. And from the, um, the collagen aspect i mean collagen is really in every connective tissue of our body and the reality is the fact that if you don't get enough of that collagen like truth be told every cell in our body actually turns over which means that they die and then they get replaced but they get replaced because they need well they re- they get replaced because they die but when they get replaced, they actually need nutrients to actually replace the building blocks with. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be able to fuel the normal healing processes that happen um, just from a day-to-day standpoint. And then even so, when you're injured, your demands are probably gonna be a little bit more because you're in the process of healing and managing all that. So I really appreciate that. And I, and I think that this is a great answer because a lot of people, even if you Google, like what are the best foods for joint pain, you're going to be it's gonna be like turmeric and ginger. Like, I don't think I've ever actually seen any article that says eat more collagen, eat more protein. Like that actually doesn't really happen. And I often tell the patients that I work with who are going through hip and joint replacements, eat a little bit more protein. Yeah. Um, out here, uh, in, like since you are living in Austin, Elizabeth Street Cafe actually has fantastic pho. But out here in California, you get amazing Vietnamese noodles. And so um, beef broth, it's, uh, it's like the best thing. And you can buy beef broth like, well, I mean, one at the store, but like the frozen ones are actually happen to probably be the better, better Mm -hmm. version. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about nerve pain itself. So when I look at nerve pain, I'm looking at nerve function, right? So Mm -hmm. nerves themselves, uh, a lot of different chemical processes. But I remember going through my school is like, if you end up having like an electrolyte imbalance, your nerves are going to be kind of funky. Like if you have too much sodium, like, actually, if you have too much potassium, like your heart's going to stop, right? So stuff like that. So when it comes to um, nerve pain, we're either, we're most likely looking at like really hot nerves, like hyperactive nervy type stuff from that standpoint, what are some things to consider when trying to manage say nerve pain or hyperactive nerves with food?
2: Yeah, I would say probably one of the biggest things to focus on is your hydration status. And a lot of people, you know, when you say hydration is they say, you know, well, I drink a ton of water, but we need in order to balance the, um, current in our body, which everything in our body runs on an electrical current, we need to be fueling and nourishing the minerals and balancing those minerals in our body. And if we have too much water, we're going to dilute them. And so that's why having a diet that, you know, is higher in high quality sodium, potassium and magnesium, as well as calcium, um, can be really, really beneficial for supporting just healthy nerve function in general um so we always say like don't fear salt and asterisk we really want to focus on the quality of the salt that you're utilizing to make sure that you're getting you know the best quality version that's going to help to support to make sure that you're getting that balance of sodium and potassium not just an over um an oversupply maybe of sodium on its own same with magnesium super important mineral that you know Because of the way that our food system is set up, it's no longer as rich in the foods that we're eating. So, you know, supplementation can be really helpful there. Those are the types of things that we think about um, with our clients, especially when we're, you know, focusing on that holistic lens of supporting nerve function.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Conductivity is huge. And as our food gets depleted from insane monocropping that we do in the U S because the soil is getting depleted from the same food being planted in it over and over and over again. And that one single crop may utilize more of one mineral than it does another. So by the time you're decades into farming there, those most recent crops don't really have any minerals to go off of. So if I'm remembering this correctly, I think to get the same amount of magnesium, like let's say out of a carrot that you would maybe 40 years ago, you'd have to eat like eight carrots to one. Like it's a really big and not baby carrots, like, like legit, like large carrots, carrots. like that you'd give a horse. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think it, I love supplements, although they're not a replacement for food. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a big advocate of supplements solely for that reason. Um, Although there are a lot of foods that we tote as being super rich in certain vitamins or minerals, they may not be as dense as we think they are. Um, So I think being able to supplement things like magnesium, especially is hugely important for nerve conductivity. Mm -hmm. Um, Additionally, on the sodium front, so many people are scared of sodium, Um, like the blood pressure conversation. No one is getting increased blood pressure from their salt shaker at home like salt and mass amounts of sodium really come from all the processed and packaged foods we eat and a lot of like pre-made like bread and grain products that aren't whole foods. So if you're predominantly eating a whole food diet and you're still trying to be wary of your salt intake, you may actually be really under consuming salt. So it could be kind of having a negative effect Um, granted, if you do eat processed foods throughout the day, it is important to keep an eye on what the sodium content is there and then balance it out with what you do add. Um, as someone who cooks breakfast, lunch, and dinner, most of the week, I add salt to my water all the time. And again, like Ariel was saying, like a high quality salt also for nerves, I I've always seen with my clients that they're struggling with any kind of joint issue where there's radiating nerve pain, increasing omega threes is really helpful. Um, getting the fatty acid profile appropriate can really help with just like the myelin sheath and the conductivity around nerves and how um, efficiently and quickly that they can communicate. So I think there's a big generation um we're kind of the tail end of it where there was this big push for low fat everything. Um, and that really made us make this switch to processed grains and processed carbohydrates, which all breaks down into glucose versus still having some whole natural saturated fats and like some really high DHA omega three fats, like our fatty fishes, like salmon, um, walnuts, Uh, people are like scared of nuts now too. So mixing those back in can be really
2: helpful. 100%. Haley, what's your favorite sea salt?
1: I'm a Redmond's real salt girl. Me too. Mm -hmm. Old faithful.
2: Yeah, it's just great. And Um, I think it's probably the most available mm -hmm. one to find everywhere. Um, So I usually do recommend that. A little bit of like a pinch of sea salt in water in the morning can be really helpful because you do get dehydrated overnight. Things like that can be very helpful in just supporting mineral balance without having to go overboard or like really stress out about what you're putting in your body.
0: Also, like how good is it when you put a good salt on a nice piece of steak?
1: Right?
2: Oh, yeah.
0: there's nothing Nothing better than that. Right. Oh, um, yeah. Delicious. My wife and I, we, we have, I think we have like six types of salt in our house. Like one is like a French salt, another one's like a Hawaiian volcanic salt, like all of that stuff, right? And so, um, talk dirty it, to me. I'll, I'll <laughs> very talk
1: much, salty you know, to me. That
0: we're eating, right? Um, listeners, if you haven't done so, when you're eating fresh tomatoes, which we're on the tail end of tomato season, please put salt on your tomatoes. It's going to be yeah. life changing. <laughs> um It's amazing. And so, all right, so we have that. And um, thank you. Like This is really insightful. I think it's important for people to know because, yeah, people for the longest time have been avoiding salt. They have been avoiding a lot of these foods and giving people permission to say, yes, it's okay to eat a little bit more meat. It's okay to have a little bit more fat. You know, add that grass-fed butter uh, to your sweet potato, right? Like, so stuff like that, I think it's huge. So, um, and you kind of glanced over this, but let's talk about some, just like quickly, let's talk about some foods that you really recommend people avoid to really just maximize their their health um, and just really minimize that, that um, chronic systemic inflammation. Because inflammation itself is a normal process. We need inflammation to heal our tissues. But in some cases, when you are inflamed for a long period of time, it does present some problems. 100%.
2: I don't know that this will make anybody particularly happy to hear, but generally speaking, if I have a client come to me that is suffering from long-term inflammation and they really haven't gotten to the bottom of it, I do typically recommend an elimination diet that includes gluten and sometimes dairy um, to see, because those are typically going to be the biggest culprits for most people. And, I say you may not be happy to hear that because a lot of people think that it is very challenging to remove these foods. And granted, the standard American diet does make it difficult because those th- are very prevalent. However, now there are a lot of, you know, options for gluten free, dairy free foods that are still going to be better quality versions. And we have tons of ways of reducing your gluten intake without you feeling like you're really deprived of everything you love in, you know, in your food. So those are typically the two that I will, I would say, you know, we really need to focus on first. And then we will see how you feel from there. Maybe we add them back in after a period of healing. Um, Maybe it's a food that you ultimately end up not, not having in your diet anymore. And so it kind of depends on the person, like what that looks like, but I think that's kind of where I would start. Yeah, Yeah. no,
1: I completely agree with you there. Um, I, I Mm. do want to touch on our bodies very adaptive. So humans have a very unique ability to adapt between running predominantly on fat sources as fuel or running predominantly on carbohydrate sources as fuel. Um, and that's just evolutionarily due to us being pretty nomadic and seasons changing and what we had access to. So if you're functioning better on one and not the other, or we're having some kind of inflammatory response to one more than the other, which for a lot of people in the US, it's gluten. And a lot of that just has to do with how we process our grains here. There's a lot of people here that can't tolerate gluten, but if they go travel internationally to a small European town and someone's making this beautiful, fresh, sprouted sourdough, they digest it just fine. Granted, then you have cases of like celiac disease where we're actually having an autoimmune condition and producing antibodies against gluten. Um, So it really is dependent on the person. I am not one of the people that say gluten is horrible for everybody and nobody should eat it. But it definitely will spike a little bit of an inflammatory process in the way that it is digested. So if you are struggling with inflammation, I think a really easy one nowadays is to cut out gluten. Um, I've been gluten free now, God, for years. And like Ariel was saying, there's a lot of options um, to make things that are delicious in replacement Um, I probably eat more baked goods and stuff now than I ever did before I went gluten-free because I bake them all myself and add in banana and walnuts and flaxseed and all these yummy things. And it's delicious. Dairy is another one where if you are currently inflamed, it can be really hard to digest, especially if we're doing regular commercial pasteurized dairy, just because all of the enzymes that naturally occur that help you break down the fats and the sugars in dairy are no longer there once it's pasteurized. So, if you are open to trying raw dairy, that can be a great alternative. Um, But if, especially if we have like inflammation in the gut, it's probably something you want to temporarily step away from until we heal all those membranes and linings because it can be a little bit aggravating. um, And then add them back in after the fact when all that epithelium is healed. Yes.
0: I love that. Agreed. I love that. Um, You're pretty much saying so. We're saying like, here are these things that you should watch out for, but ultimately you can't know that it's hurting you unless you take it out and see. And so like going through an experiment, going through the self experimentation. Um, I know that we're getting a little short in time, but um, so for the listeners out there, Well, one Ariel Haley, thank you so much for your time. Actually, this is really great. I think that we can break this down to a couple of different episodes. So I'd love to have you on future um, podcasts as well. Um, But for the listeners out there who are like, oh, my gosh, Ariel and Haley, they are so smart. And I'm doing all the things I need to do. I'm moving. I'm moving the way I should. I'm sleeping. But I think I do need a little bit of help on managing the stress and putting things in my body. What is the what are the best ways for them to get in touch with you?
2: So we do have a podcast It's called The Gym Rat's Guide to Guacamole. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, that is a good place to start if you want some general information about literally all things health, wellness, fitness. We try and keep it pretty, a broad range of topics there. Um, my website is arielbloom.com. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at ariel underscore bloom. And Haley, you want to see Sure yeah. And then, so Jim
1: Rasca to Guacamole's the pod, which we're so stoked about. And then my website is balancedlivingco.com. And you can find me on Instagram at balanced.living.co.
0: And listeners, if you didn't not get a chance to write that down, I'm actually going to be putting their information into the show notes. So go ahead and check them out because they know some really great stuff. And, um, one, I'm just going to say one last thing. Um, I know that you two have been practicing probably, well, I know Arielle was like the start of 2020. Haley, I think you got your certification either in 23 or 22. I, um, And what I really love is the fact that because you, you're coming into this with like a really open eye, I think one of the challenges when with any practitioner, when you're in it for a long period of time, you get into your habits, you get into your habits, you get into your own like beliefs. And the more you spend time in that belief, the harder it is for you to open up your eyes. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be able to, um, and even listeners out there, like I know even for myself as a 10 year practitioner, I know that there are habits that I break into, or, or I follow and it's something that I'm always trying to challenge so I can expand my knowledge. And so for the listeners out there, if you're working with someone who just says, Oh, you know, they, Oh, this technique, it doesn't work. Or if they shake it off, um, it is important to look and see is the person that you're working with, are they questioning and challenging their beliefs so that in that way they can serve you better. So I really appreciate what you ladies are doing. And um, I'm like, so excited for the future, um, for, for your, uh, companies, your podcasts, and even more collaborations.
1: Thank you. We're excited. Thanks, Ashley. We love being here. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.